But this is Duca on the move for Montreal. Billy Duca, let's see what he does. A left foot shot, that's in! Billy Duca beat his man, and the Rutgers product makes it 1-0 Montreal. This is Off the Woodworks with Kevin Laramie, the longest-running podcast entirely dedicated to the Montreal Impact. It's wide open now, Malice, plenty of room. As Pachuca have five players lined up across the back. An opportunity! Good day, good night, and welcome to a brand new edition of Off the Woodworks. Kind of a preview edition for Orlando and Montreal this Saturday. Very important meeting in the playoff push, in the race for the playoff in the Eastern Conference of Major League Soccer. But first of all, Montreal Impact played last Saturday. 2-0 win, victory at Stad Saputo versus the Chicago Fire. Two victories in the same week for Montreal Impact. Six games undefeated streak for Mauro Biello and his gentlemen's it's a record club record. The previous record was five. They broke it with six. And right now, the way the standings look. Ooh, it's so close. Such a battle. We'll take a look at the standings. Eh, we'll take a look at the standings in a second. But first, let's uh, take a look at the show today. Uh, I had the chance to appear yesterday on the OC Lions Fan TV uh, YouTube show. Lasts about a half an hour. We have the audio of this, so it's basically an Orlando Montreal preview. We have that today on the show. If you want to see my face, take a look at my Twitter or uh, the new Sports Podcasting Network's Twitter. Uh, the brand new name of Off the Woodworks Sports Podcasting Studios. It's uh, It was a handful. It was a... Long Twitter handle, and it was useless. Now, SPN is born. The Sports Podcasting Network is born. Uh, The URL will be up in the next couple of days, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. It's being built as we speak, but you can go on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook. Sports Podcasting Network is there. That's where you can get all the shows we produce here at the SPN Studios. We have Off the Woodworks the one you're listening to right now, Two Solitudes with Dwayne Rollins and myself, USL Radio with Dwayne Rollins and myself, and guests from around the league in the USL as well. We have Sur la Transversale, a brand new French show that you can listen to once every two weeks or so on SPN and on Comfort Plus as well. Same for Afterwards Works. On top of it, you have the Five Rings of Big Sports and Amateur Sports podcast talking about the Olympic bids, the story behind the 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 criticism, the controversies, the drama, everything surrounding the Olympics. We talk about this with Dwayne Rollins and myself. We have the 216 Stitches, a baseball podcast, and Down the Hour Wrestling podcast on ESPN. You're a podcaster. You have your own show that you produce, and you would like to be on ESPN. Network at gmail.com. Email myself and let me know. Give me a sample of your show and maybe... We'll put it on SPN. Who knows? SPN, the place to get your deeper knowledge in the world of sports. Now, the standings I was talking about before we go to Sam Reda and the OC Lions Fan TV. 
Montreal Impact, 42 points in 6th position right now with 29 games played. 8 points per game of 1.45, which is right now we repeat the points per game until everybody has played the same amount of games, gives you the proper look at the actual standing, the way it looks at. Yes, the games in hands haven't been won yet. That's why sometimes the points per game is a little optimistic. But you take the points per game and the game in hands, you look at the middle of those two where it meets, you get a different idea, and it gives you literally a better idea of situation. Right now, Montreal, like I was saying, 42 points, 29 game played. They're one point behind Toronto, because Toronto, yes, they trailed in that game versus Chicago Saturday, but eventually came back on top, and Javenko is right now first in the league, in the history of the league, for goals, goals and assists combined. And he is uh, just behind Drogba. They're neck and neck at the goal of the week this week. So go vote for the goal of the week. And as well, uh, vote for the save of the week. Evan Bush is nominated for a save against Big Red Jeff Larenta, which last Wednesday night. At Sazaputo, which was another victory, 2-1. Montreal scoring goals. Thank you, DDA. Orlando. The next opponent for Montreal has 38 points. So they're four points back with three games to play. That means they have nine possible points if they win out to a maximum of 47. Montreal's got 42. Magic number is five points. Yes. Montreal's win three. Example. Saturday, Montreal win. They're 45 Orlando loses. They can only get six points. So they can only get to 44. Montreal wins. Orlando can't make the playoffs. It's that simple. It's that easy. It's that cliche six points game, baby. This Saturday, the Montreal Impact traveling to the old and a very difficult pitch to play on. Citrus Bowl until the new stadium in Orlando is built. They're playing at the old Citrus Bowl. That's been built, I think, by uh, by Socrates himself of the Greek or Roman Empire. I think that's when it was built, right? Uh, four, four or five thousand years ago? Well, that's how it looks. Oh, yes. What a, a new coat of paint on it, the purple one, but still. There's going to be about 45,000 people for that game. So the atmosphere, the atmosphere will be ruckus. By the ruckus, we'll see uh, what it does to the game. But I repeat, Montreal wins. Orlando's out. It's that simple. Orlando needs uh, luck on its side. Montreal needs DDA. Will DDA play on the turf? I doubt it. Honestly. He he actually said in the media in the last couple of days. He never played on turf before. Is he going to start at 37 years old? I don't know. The, the game is that important though. It's that six points game. Almost guaranteeing a spot in the playoff for Montreal. And after that win, example, after that potential win this Saturday, Montreal can stop looking back and start looking up because technically they're equal with DC United in fourth position in the points per game, 1.45, because DC's got uh, 31 games played, 45 points. Montreal's got 42 points, but 29 games played, two games at hand. And DC's on a free fall. We all have seen what they have been doing the last two months. Going from a double-digit lead on top of the East to now a 
close to the bottom of the, uh, not the table, but the clo- close to the bottom of the position of the standings where it gets access to the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting this Saturday. Orlando, Montreal. You want to know more about Orlando? You want to know about, more about Montreal? Let's listen to uh, Sam Reda and myself on the OC Lions fan TV show that happened yesterday. And until next time, have a great soccer. You are listening to Off the Woodworks with Kevin Arme on the Sports Podcasting Network. You'd like to support SPN? Go to patreon.com slash Kevin Laramie. A dollar, two, 50 cents a month, whatever you like to give, it helps us give you more. And on SPN, we want to give you more. Now back to the show. Hello, hello, hello. We are back for a match preview of Montreal Impact this Saturday. It's a big game for both teams, I think. Maybe a little bigger for us since we're chasing them. Uh, Ron is having technical difficulties, but is going to try to join us somewhere along the way. We have Kevin with us from Off the Woodworks podcast amongst one of his many. He's a really talented guy, so uh, check out his podcast. Kevin, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, so if you just want to say hello to uh, my viewers and pronounce your last name properly, that would be my, and tell them how you can be found on social media. Absolutely. Well, it's Laramie, so it's almost like the cigarettes in The Simpson. It's almost like Laramie, but it's Laramie. Okay. Okay. And your podcast at Off the Woodworks, ending in an X. That's Absolutely, because I think I'm cool, so I put the next at the end. And uh, you can uh, follow me as well at Kev Laramie on Twitter, uh, KevinLaramie.com, the easiest place to get uh, all the thing I do, CanadianSoccerNews.com as well. All right. And Kevin is the only. Um, we were just had a little chat off air, and he is the only. Montreal Impact, uh, like, uh, podcaster where he shows solely Montreal. So big props to him. He's been running about three years. Anyway, with that said, um, we obviously we play Montreal this week at home. We played them really early in the season, a little shorthanded, stole a point on a one-one draw. We played a funny formation. We probably didn't deserve a point there, but we got one. I think they, you know, came out two-zero early, and then. Somehow we got two goals back uh, along the way. With that said, we are uh, in probably the best form we've been in since early in the season. Uh, three straight wins. You know, we beat Red Bulls away, which was a huge win for Absolutely. us and for the playoff picture. And as far as Montreal goes, they're also coming off three straight wins. And prior to that, they had two draws. So their form is also well uh, as you guys know, in the arms race in the East, you know, before the window closes, they got Drogba. Uh, hopefully Kevin can talk to us a little bit about that. And, you know, their next best player is Piatti or, you know, uh, maybe he's their best player and you want to call Drogba their second best player, personal preference, either way. Uh, Piatti may or may not play this weekend. Uh, hopefully, and we'll get to that as well. So just a brief overview. Uh, they, that's just uh, Montreal in a nutshell. Kevin, can you talk about Drogba first and maybe about the situation on how he got to Montreal and how the fans and the team are embracing it? 
You mentioned the Drogba situation. It's very interesting how the whole thing went down. If you're looking at earlier this season, there was uh, rumors that started by a no butler from TSN Radio in Montreal. Started talking about it maybe three, four weeks before there was actually smoke to that fire saying, oh, there's, I hear, he's a Chelsea supporter just like me, as you can say on my wall. He was, uh, he learned that Drogba was in talk with people. He wanted to come to MLS and Montreal was a, a good destination. Unfortunately, the Chicago Fire had him on their 10-player uh, confidential discovery list. Because of that fact, Chicago Fire had the rights to discuss and to negotiate with Drogba solely. Uh, Drogba was not necessarily interested in Toronto, wanted Montreal. Uh, there was a, a slowdown in negotiation. The league told Montreal, look, he might be interested in you. Why don't you contact Drogba? Talks were made between DeSantis and Saputo and Drogba. Uh, they liked each other. Then, suddenly, Chicago comes back in the process. Like, well, we're interested again. Uh, let us have a chance. Drogba didn't want to. He wanted to play for Montreal. Montreal uh, made a financial arrangement with Chicago to get the rights to negotiate with DJ. They signed him. He arrived in Montreal. Crazy support at the airport. About 1,500 people at the end were there to greet the new king of Montreal at the airport to help him welcome him to the city and give him a taste of what he's going to learn. And it's been uh, seven weeks now that he's been here. He played six games. We all know how it went. First game, just 30 minutes, didn't do a lot. Then he scored in every game, seven goals in six games, a hat trick, a brace, goal of the week, twice player of the week, player of the month probably this week. So uh, Drogba has probably proven that he didn't come here just for the money. He's here for the challenge. And he pretty is winning that challenge. If you're looking at it, you can ask the defense or Birchman from uh, DC this last Saturday how, <laughs> how he's actually dominating. It's one of the most dominated players. We, we don't get to see that a lot in MLS. A player from his stature, his dominance. Yes, we saw Juvenko with Toronto having a great season, but it's different. It's not because of his physical strength. It's not because of his skills. It's a little bit of everything. DT is dominating like we rarely see in MLS, and it's very impressive to see live, I have to tell you. Well, we will get to see him live this weekend, obviously. And can you also, you know, Piatti has missed the last two games and is away, I believe, in Argentina. Yes, the last for family two, reasons. Last Tuesday night. So just take over. Yeah, last Tuesday night. Unfortunately, his father suffered a stroke. So uh, emergency, he left for Argentina on that Tuesday night. Not yesterday, the week prior. So he missed already the, the game last Wednesday and the game this Saturday against DC. It's a question. His father's doing better. It's a not a scare, but he's on demand. Is he going to be back for the weekend in form and in good mental shape to play Piatti? That's another question. He hasn't been back to practice yet, so it's still up in the air if he's going to play or not. But he wasn't there the last two games. Montreal did play well and were able to score the last couple of games. Again, Drogba's terrorizing the defense and Vinegas at the center attacking midfielder. The other player that Montreal Impact got in the transfer window, a Costa Rican from the team of Liga Deportiva Alavalense, the team that Montreal beat in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League last uh, uh, May. So uh, with that player, he's younger. He comes in MLS to learn a bit more, to grow. But he took over that center attacking midfielder spot and is able to feed Drogba. So this is basically the only thing you need to do. You don't need to dominate now that you have Drogba. You just need to give him the ball and let him do the rest. So uh, that's one of the things where I'm not that concerned with Piatti now. It's actually good for him to heal those legs up because he 
has been known to be uh, injury prone in his knees and ankles, in heart tissue type of injuries. Now, if he rests up before the playoff, that could be a good uh, thing for Montreal. Uh, assuming you guys get the playoff. Uh. Well, uh, statistically, <laughs> we can we can go there. Statistically, with the impacts points per game right now and the game in hands, or it's all going to depend on Saturday. If Montreal beats Orlando, Orlando has 99.2% left of not making the playoff. So that game, basically, it's a six-point game. It's that cliche, but it's truly a six-point game. Oh, right. And, uh, you know... We- we, we're also in really good form, so mm-hmm. you know I think it'll it'll be a great match. And uh, as my channel followers know, we do predictions at the end, so we'll ease our way there. Um, uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk. We'll you know maybe go in a little bit about it at the end. So just um, in uh, in other words, and could you just give uh, the the viewers and this is going to be really basic information for um, your followers, but just for the Orlando City fans, the casual ones. Could you just tell us uh, your basic formation and your preferred starting 11? Usually, they go with a 4-2-3-1. Over the last couple of weeks, Mauro Biello, the head coach that took over for Frank Klopas six weeks ago when Klopas got dismissed, still unbeaten as a head coach in Major League Soccer, by the way. Six-game unbeaten streak, a record for Montreal in Major League Soccer. Mauro Biello adjusts his formation according to their needs, their roster, their injuries, which we we didn't see with Klopas before. Now, uh, 4-2-3-1 is the base, with usually Piatti as a cam, you have Venegas as a lamb, and as a right, Ojiro or Map. Map has injury this season, he has come back for a little bit, now there's a, we're a little setback. Ojiro with his speed is a good option there too. Obviously, Drogba on top, he wasn't there earlier, but Drogba's lone striker. They can move to a 4-1-4-1, which we saw last week with Donadell as the lone central defensive midfielder with a Bernier, Rio Coker, Malice or a Becker or uh, uh, interchangeable pieces in the central de- defense with Arduro and Map still at the, uh, the sides of it with Drogba at the beginning. The defense hasn't really changed all season except for suspensions by Lorassima, which he will be eligible to play. Uh, this Saturday, he's coming back from a suspension, but he needs not to get a yellow because he's only one yellow away from another yellow card accumulation. So that being said, he might be more safe in his sliding tackles, which might result for a uh, favorable chances for Orlando. That's going to be important. Cabrera usually with Sima in the central of the defensive. Then Toya, Oyongo, Kamara are alternating and the fullbacks, but Oyongo has really been a revelation this year. A young Cameroon player that is so fast and is able to support the attack. He was the key piece in that Felipe Alexander trade uh, Montreal and New York Red Bulls. Oyongo was the key piece, and you see what he can do. He was a uh, he held up on the club basically earlier this year, but ever since he's back with the club, we show the real strength that he does bring and the attacking prowess that he does give to Montreal, which we haven't seen before from a left-back or right-back position. All right. Well, you answered my question. My next question was, is there someone on your defense that we should keep an eye on? So thank you for, for beating me to the punch. <laughs> Sima and Oyongo. Sima, arguably one of the Defender of the Year candidate, probably is going to be a candidate. The fact that he has been reckless lately with the red cards or just the referee is being more on him, so that could be a... a a reason why he's getting those yellows, but he has to be considered in a defensive player of the year for sure. And as far as Orlando City goes, I believe we will stick to our typical uh, 
four four two three one as well. Up top, I believe Laren will be in after that uh, hat trick. A nice Canadian boy, I have to say. I like Laren. He's a Canadian boy, the future of our national team. Actually, we see the light at the end of the tunnel for once with the national team with players like Laren and Becker. Yeah, and um, uh, the guy who does, like I told you before, uh, Mark, who, the guy who comes on and does the Toronto, um, he loves Laren too. And he said that, you know, uh, the Canadian national team is not known for its goal scores, so they're happy to have one now. So, Hey, a hat-trick last week for a little buddy. I really was really happy to say that. Yeah, and we're really happy to have him. You know, he's broken the uh, MLS rookie scoring record. He actually smashed it. He yeah. needed one last week. He got three. I don't think his scoring is done for the year either. So uh, we'll see Laren up top. I think we'll see Shea on the left. We'll see... Kaka in the middle. He's the man in the middle, as everyone in the MLS knows. On the right, um, as of right now, I think we're going to see Lewis Neal, although I would prefer to see Winter. Uh, you know, our center defensive mids are Paguita and Sarin. They are really the cog of Orlando City. Uh, them and Kaka, that middle triangle is really uh, where we win and where we die. And then in the back, I think we see, um, you know, Bowden on the left. Uh, we'll see... Colin in the middle. On the other side of Colin will either be Hines or Mateos. I uh, believe Mateos is about 75% based on the coaches show, radio show on Tuesday, and uh, the Hines update. I can't recall exactly. I think he was working through things, um, and I don't think he was training as of Tuesday. This is being recorded on Wednesday. And obviously Ramos in the back right and Tally Hall in the back. So, Kevin, uh, when we lose games, we're really susceptible to uh, speed players and the counter. And the other place where we really, you know, lose games is when our defenders just get caught kind of ball watching, so to speak. So is there somewhere where uh, Montreal is susceptible defensively that, you know, is a reoccurring theme in your guys' losses? We used to be a team that was focused on the counter-attack and on the speed without Juro when he was attacking. Uh, that used to be the way Montreal was attacking. But we used to get uh, burned by a team that used to possess the ball, move their block forward, were able to take ownership of Montreal's box and then cross it in and score. We saw that last year specifically. This year, though, those problems were fixed with the addition of Sima, with the uh, the blooming of Cabrera as a center-back. Lefebvre stepping up and taking ownership of a... Uh, homegrown academy spot and really blooming and becoming one of the best young academy product of the history of the Montreal Impact. So with those players coming into the fold, they did answer the blatant weakness of Montreal. Montreal is very susceptible on free kicks still, though. If there's a free kick that is rightly placed, Evan Bush is one of the best keepers in the league, but unfortunately he's not one of the tallest. So how good you want to be, it doesn't matter when the ball is placed on the top corner and you can't reach it if you're not six foot five like Tally Tall. I call him Tally Tall, I'm sorry. I have been <laughs> calling him Tally Tall for the last three years. When he was with Houston, he was one of my uh, favorite goalkeepers because of just of his size. Because let's not forget, one of the goalkeepers, it's one of the only spots on the field where your size does actually matter. Not all the time. But for that one little free kick, sometimes it does. We, we did see him in Montreal once this year where uh, Bush led one in. He just barely touched it, though. But that's the difference between putting a hand on it and touching it. I still love Evan Bush if he's listening. I love you, buddy. You're one of my favorite goalkeepers in the league. You're one of the strongest. But you're 5'11", 6'. 
compared to a 6-5, I think, for Tally. So <laughs> there's a big difference. And that could be a difference maker if there's a set piece 20 yards in and Kaká can get a foot on it. But Drogba can do the same thing. But that is would be one of the weaknesses for Montreal. Okay. And as far as injuries go, do you guys have any uh, injuries that are would concern uh, that would be of concern? There is a, a couple of injuries lingering. Montreal is getting better. Of course, Cameron Porter, who earlier this year had a, uh, suffered an ACL, has been out all season. Uh, the CONCACAF Champions League hero for Montreal against Pachuca has been out all season. Uh, Drogba is almost back to 100%. He's still, according to him, not 100%, but it's there. Justin Mapp is still questionable. He has uh, started a couple games, came back at the end of the Wagers Cup, started a couple games in MLS, but uh, last couple of weeks he was subbed out early, didn't play in the midweek game and the weekend. So Justin Mapp might be questionable for this Saturday. Ajiro is probably going to be at right midfielder with, on top, a drug, but Piatti is not an injury, but he is uh, still in Argentina and the bedside of his father, if he's going to make it back in time, it's still up in the air. For that question, it's going to be an interesting point to take a look until Saturday. But as of right now, Piatti is questionable, if not uh, out of the question, in my opinion. So, you know, in, in my opinion, it's pretty obvious, um, just based on, you know, our little conversation here, that Orlando City needs to stop Drogba to win. So, you know, our, 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 def- our central defenders will need to, you know, Mark him tightly when he's in the box. Our central defensive midfielders maybe can, you know, keep a body on him so he's not just drifting around in free space. Other than, you know, the the Drogba versus the Orlando City defense, what do you think is another way that, you know, uh, Montreal could create some goals? Montreal has crossed the ball 20 times last weekend against Chicago. In one game, they crossed the ball 20 times. That's unheard of for Montreal. They adjusted their style of play for Drogba, yes, but they adjusted as well to take advantage of players like Duca and uh, Ajuro with their speed and their width play. So, example, Drogba's going to vacuum one or two players around him all the time because of his presence, because of his of his stature. A player like Duca and Ajuro are going to get open. Duca is the one that created space last Saturday. Even though he didn't score, he created the whole space. If you go back to Wednesday, he scored because he was at the right place. Drogba saw him alone, gave him the pass, and that pass came from midfield. So even if there's somebody on Drogba, when he's in the midfield, he comes back deep to help. So he's almost a box-to-box striker as a hold-up type of striker as well. So he's very complete and uh, conceit in his great passes. He sees run like it's unbelievable to see. It's like he's got highs in the back of his head. He, he sees map. He sees everybody do runs. They were like, wow, if he, damn, he saw it. He passed the ball and there's a goal. That was a Duca. So yes, Drogba's going to be dangerous, but he's smart enough to implicate other people. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody gets fooled. They get two, three people on Drogba. Then Duca's going to come all alone on goal and score. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I almost predict this to happen more than another Drogba goal because uh, people are going to watch for Drogba. Yeah, the, the film is out on Drogba. I mean, yeah. his, game is, his, his game, he's been around for a long time, and his game is known and where his strengths and where his weaknesses are. And, you know, I think he has two hat tricks already. So, you know, even the MLS game film is out. And so as far as, you know, matchup-wise, do you have any questions about how Montreal is going to match up against Orlando City for, from, for me? 
I'm interested to see Breck Shea. I uh, talked to him earlier this season when Orlando came to Montreal. I had the chance to talk to Breck. His size always impressed me. Yes, it wasn't necessarily easy for him this season. So it's been three years now since he left Dallas, tried ahead in England, came back. It wasn't easy for Breck, but he's still a, such an imposing player. I love his size when he gets either into the box or cross into the box. He's a future left back for sure for Orlando, even though he's in the midfield right now. He's a future left back for the national team for the US for Orlando. And I can't wait to see what he does against a Montreal fullback that if uh, there's a squad rotation because there's a lot of game on the road, maybe it can be vulnerable. So I think Breck Shea can be uh, one of the keys for Orlando in that game because Kaká's going to get a lot of uh, eyes on him. Breck Shea, being low profile, might have a chance to uh, stun everybody in that game. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that I would uh, call Breck Shea low profile. No, I know, I know but... he stands out at six foot three, blonde hair, big stature and muscle, I know. But what I mean is he's not having the best statistical season this year. And people don't see him as a threat as really actually he is. No, he's not having the best statistical season at all. I think he only has three assists, and two of them has since he, he's come back from injury and prior to injury when we were moving him from left back to left mid and here and there, and he was going out on national team and coming back, he never really found form. So he didn't have but one assist, and he still hasn't scored for us. So, you know, I would love to see a, a Breck Shea goal. I think it's it's just even just statistically speaking, I think it's it's long overdue. So, yeah, and I think that – um. You know, Brekshe, obviously, he with his size, he drifts into the middle from the left wing and tries to play the crosses. And, you know, he's one of the, you know, we, we pass the ball around and try to keep possession. I think Brekshe is one of our better players at taking on a defender one-on-one and just running at a defender and trying to create his own. So, you know, I think we move the ball around and hold possession laterally sometimes a little too often. And if we're going to see uh, Lewis Neal on the right wing, he's a solid player. And I guess he's, uh, I think Ron has referred to him as industrial. You know, he's not someone who takes on a defender one-on-one. He's more of a, I guess, a squad guy. So, you know, as far as Brexit goes, I'd love to see him, you know, make some runs at goal, maybe Kaka can slip him a nice pass and he can score this week. So that's, um, you know, my, my hope. And so Kevin, I can't really think of any other Orlando city stuff uh, other than I mentioned our good form again, Tally Hall has been a beast. You talked about him. So uh, do you have anything else for me or anything that uh, I know? have a question for you? One of the, I've been following USL for a long time. So I've been uh, seeing Orlando play for like, a couple of years. How's Kevin Molino doing lately? One of the USL player that graduated with Orlando and is a, is a topic, a subject, because it's not just a step. Let's not lie to each other. Between the USL and MLS, it's not a step. It's a whole level. So uh, how did that transition go for him? Okay, well, at the beginning of the season before he tore his ACL, him and Kaka were forming a very good bond and they were playing uh, like one-two play off each other very well and then then came the punt per day friendly or however you say that team's name and he tore his ACL and he's been out since so we haven't seen him okay since. So he's still he's still out okay I thought he was I thought yeah. he was uh, close to coming back uh well just um from his Instagram and from social media I've seen him you know running on the treadmill and doing the rehab stuff but not he's not going to be in in the squad he's not going to be in the 18 he's still out so you know I, I would vary to say he's shut down for the year. I think if somehow we squeak in to the playoffs, I don't even think he'd play in the playoffs just because he hasn't played since March. But prior to, you know, um, the injury, 
he was he was playing well. But um, since you're going to bring it up, I'll, I'll mention it. The player that has moved on with us from USL that has been amazing is Darwin Seren. So Darwin Seren in, in the defensive midfield has been really, really good. Um, every, every game, it seems like every game he puts in a good game. I mean, obviously every player has a down game here and there, but he's usually been pretty solid and with you know we talked i talked about breck shea moving around luke bowden at left back also came with us from usl and he's also been very good and is absolutely a formidable mls uh left back and you know i i, I would prefer even just to see him stay at left back and shea play on the left wing uh for the squad moving forward even into next year um because you know i think bowden is that good and in the window we brought in Corey Ash to have some depth at left back. So hopefully that's an indication that, you know, we plan on at least using Breck Shea at the wing um, more, more often than not. Yeah, no, it could, it could be, he has a size to play at, uh, at that position. That's for sure. It's just depending on where the U S men's national team is sitting with Klinsman or his successor, who knows he's going to be still there next year. <laughs> if, it, if that's going to be important with uh, where Breck Shea plays. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, because there's a theory, right, in development, if you have a guy that's really good on the ball and good going forward, you put him at a left-back position or right-back because he's going to help support the attack. So it depends where, it depends more what type of midfielders you have than actually Brexit himself where he's going to play next year. So there's uh, the, the Brexit situation fascinates me in a way because it's always a young prodigy who has uh, trouble in the la later stage of development trying to correct those problems and trying to find the right space to, to bloom and to finally get to the level where everybody expects him to be. Yeah. And, you know, you just, you just mentioned it. So I'll just spin off your point. You mentioned, uh, you know, someone who's good on the ball and, and Bowden is good on the ball. Our offense kind of runs through those wings and to cross onto the inside when, you know, they can't make something happen in the middle. And uh, so, you know, we need uh, those crosses to come in from Bowden to whoever's in the middle. And, you know, he's provided a couple good ones this year. So, if you don't have anything else for me, we'll go into predictions, and um, you can be my guest and go first. Perfect. Well, my prediction, unfortunately for your listeners, I predict the third win for Montreal on the road, a goal by Drogba with Duca finishing it, 2-1 Montreal, but that's enough to not kill the hopes 100%, but to put a serious damper on Orlando's chance to make the playoffs. All right, well... I, you know, as the people who follow my channel know, I was an absolute pessimist and thought that we were left for dead after uh, July. My tune has since changed. And, you know, we went away last week and beat Red Bulls. And as Kevin mentioned, you know, Montreal has only had two wins on the road. I know a lot of that season was pre-Drogba, but nothing um, about their road, you know, production has made me think that they can come here and get a get a win this week i think that we're going to see our second largest crowd of the season after we had 63,000 opening day uh the team's goal for this week is about 45,000 so i think we maybe even exceed the 45,000 uh, i think we are going to continue our hot streak i do think Drogba will score um, maybe twice, but I think Orlando City has just a, enough magic left in the tank to pull this one out between um, Laren and I actually do, I am going to project that we get a Breck Shea goal this week and I project a 3-2 Orlando City win. So with that said, um, I will, I want to just t take this second and um, say thank you to Kevin for coming on and Kevin, if you could just tell everybody 
how to find you on social media one last time. That'd be really appreciated. Absolutely. My personal Twitter is at Kev Laramie, uh, L-A-R-A-M-E-E. Uh, CanadianSoccerNews.com for my uh, soccer content. KevinLaramie.com for everything. And coming in the next couple of days, uh, the rebranding of our uh, network. It's going to be known as the Sports Podcasting Network, SPN. So look for it on iTunes, Twitter, anywhere. You'll be able to find not just the soccer shows, but every single show that we do here, you will be able to find it on Sports Podcast Network. But uh, Off Dude Works is my Montreal Impact podcast. I interviewed a lot of players, coaches, uh, journalists over the last couple of years. So if you're interested in knowing more about the opponent of Orlando this Saturday, check my archives of Off the Woodworks on iTunes, Stitcher, Feedburner, Player FM, Podbay. Uh, it's everywhere, everywhere you get your podcast. So there you guys have it. Uh, with that said, I will be doing fan TV after the game. I'll be in the back of lot 10 in front of the supporters lot in lot 11. So Kevin, thank you again. If you guys need any other questions answered about Montreal or want to just uh, support Kevin and his, you know, podcasting and covering of the impacts journey, you know how to find him. If you guys want any more out of me, uh, for fan TV wise this season, let me know. I've been saying that for weeks. So, you know, thanks for the follow come to do fan TV interviews after the game. Peace out.